All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. amen. If you know you are going to be blessed today, give me an amen. amen. If you are ready for the Lord to send his word into your heart, give me an amen. amen. All right, declare these words of understanding to show that you are expecting something. One, two, let's go. Now, now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Uh-huh, that's better. You read somebody on your left and your right. As you take your seats, the Lord will give you understanding. Professor of the first the Lord will give you understanding today. The Lord will open your heart. The Lord will show you that which you need to know. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles. We are going to continue looking at the culture of faith. We have been on it for a long time. And uh, I think we are beginning to come to an end of it, even though I am not sure of exactly when we are going to end it, but I'm sure we are beginning to come to an end. Let's open our Bibles, like I said, to the words of the Lord Jesus, again from the book of Matthew. We read from chapter 5 this time. I want to just take a few verses before we go to the words of Paul. Remember, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. We've been emphasizing that, and we need his power to do the things that he's commanded us to do. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, this was a commandment of Moses, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. That is, you cannot make oath by any of these things, They do not belong to you. Now, verse 36. Nor shall you make an oath by your head. It's not your own. For you cannot make one hair white or black. But this is what you should do. Let your statement be yes, and that should be yes. Or when you say no, that must be no. Let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond this is of evil. Now, please notice that. The Lord Jesus was teaching us here, these are just a few verses I want to read here, that we have to be careful with the way we use our words. That was the emphasis. Let your statement not require swearing. Let your statement not require taking an oath. Remember, we're talking about the culture of faith. This is what the Lord was saying, actually, that you should be so truthful as a habit, you don't need to swear. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's what he was saying. That is, you know, normally we take an oath when we want to show that something is very serious. We take an oath when we want to say, listen, I am not joking, you know, stuff like that. When you want to promise something, I want people to know uh, that um, this promise I'm making, it's, uh, it's sure. That's when you take an oath. You want to make a promise. And the Lord Jesus was saying to us, in effect, let your yes be yes. If, you, if they ask you a question... You should have a habit of always telling the truth so that you don't have to swear about anything. That's the primary thing he was going for. Remember, we're talking about the culture of faith. 
There are things that we are supposed to do as believers that mark us out as Christians. He said, your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees. Otherwise, you will not be able to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, please, let's bear it in mind. Remember, I said something last time. I just feel like repeating it. God may, now we said sin comes in different categories. Now, the, why I'm emphasizing that towards again is that when you use the word sin a lot of times, Christians are thinking of, you know, adultery, stealing, arm robbery, lying, and all of that. But John said that every unrighteousness is sin. Now, why John said that is that I'm not excusing any form of unrighteousness. Every unrighteousness is sin. But now emphasize to us that there are different categories. There is a sin that is unto death. John was emphasizing. That was his own classification in that context. And there is a sin that is not unto death. Jesus has told us before that there are weighty, different weights in the law. Some matters of the law are weightier than some other matters. So what, well now, what I'm going to emphasize by all of this is that, you see, there are little things in our lives that we don't consider as sin, but they actually are. What is sin? Anything that falls short of God's standard is sin. Once it is lower than what God himself would do. Now, when I say God's standard, I don't mean God's standard for you and for me as if like, hey, you have said the lower standard. Jesus didn't say that. The Lord Jesus said, let, he said, be perfect as what? Your heavenly father is perfect. So anything less than the perfection of God is sin. That is a matter of fact. We walk in a lot of it every day. That was why John said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we are telling lies. Now, he wasn't trying to say, if you are here and you say you are not committing adultery, you are lying. That's not what he was saying. He wasn't accusing every man of doing that. He was trying to explain that um, you may not be doing the big things. You may not be there, you know, committing what the world accepts as sin. But if you look at your life, there is an area of life where you are lower than the standard that God has set for us, which is himself. You know, we talked about Job. Job was good, better than every man, but he was inferior to God. When he was compared to God, he found himself far short of where God expected him to be. When he compared himself with everybody else, he was much better than them, so he felt very good. But when he compared himself with God, the Father himself, he realized that he was far short of God's glory. Now, so I'm trying to remind us of something I said before. And that's the fact that, listen, if you are doing something, now I've tried to emphasize that, that I'm not saying you have committed something terrible, that sin has different levels. We have, in fact, according to John, we all have one layer, one place or the other where we are inferior to what God wants us to be. It's in our thinking, it's in our behavior. Sometimes we have concepts in mind, and those concepts are the things that God says is a sin. Are you getting my point? Now, what I want to remind us that we said before is this. God may overlook some things because they are one of the lesser matters of the law. He may not talk about them. We give the example extensively about a man like um, David who married more than one wife. And God didn't complain. You will not see one single place where God complained about the number of wives that David had. But this is the point. Even though he does not complain, he may not judge, but he never blesses disobedience. He may not judge, but he never blesses sin. He may not judge it, but even though he's overlooking it, there is a level of blessing that that kind of little sin you think it is, is withholding from your life. 
And God says, no matter how much I love you, I cannot override that and bring the blessing into your life. Last time I explained extensively that, uh, that um, David was loved by God. I sat there, I explained it extensively. David was loved by God. This, God honored him so much. Jesus was named. The name David sometimes in the Bible is used as a type of Jesus Christ. We will talk about the sure mercies of David. God loved David so much, he put a blessing upon his descendants. So that the law of descendants got away with things that normal people wouldn't get away from. Yet... We use that marriage as an example. He was not a happily married man. And remember what I said? If God said, kneel down here, let me pronounce a blessing on you and you kneel down. And say, the blessing of David in marriage will be your portion. You will not say an amen. You will look and say, is that supposed to be a blessing or a curse? Why? We saw the way his life was. There was no peace in his home. There was no peace in his home. His sons were rivals. All of them. His son raped his daughter. And that one's full brother killed his half-brother. Because of that sin. His son plotted his own overthrow. And they were ready to kill him. Ahitophel told him, let us go and attack. I hope you're getting my point here. This was a kind of blessing that was absent from his house. Six wives gave birth to six sons, the first six sons. Yet none of them could replace him as a king. That's not a blessing. Yet God loved him. We need to be reminded of that. So that is why, as Christians, we don't sit around excusing ourselves. We fight every form of ungodliness, no matter how trivial. No matter how trivial. God has given me grace in some areas, which I like to give them as examples. Let you know they may appear like small things. I told you, you make mockery of marriage. I don't care how funny it is, I will not laugh. I just refuse to laugh. It's a small thing. I mean, I didn't make the joke. Somebody has it, but I said, no, I'm not going to laugh. Why? You don't cast holy things to dogs. You don't cast your pearls before swine. So why do we make mockery of holy things? My words are very important. I'm working on them every day. But years ago, I realized I can't even tell a lie, even if it's a joke. So April Fool knocks that out of my life. Told you once I was working in an environment. One of the people working with me, all right, was, vi- was visually impaired. And some of the people would make signs to me, you know, to avoid some trouble. And there are times before... That if I'm in a hurry, you know the way it is, you don't want to be delayed, and I see the man coming, I will just continue on my business. Then one day I read from my scriptures and realized that that displeases the Lord. That you must never take, some, take advantage of somebody's handicap in any area. So if I'm walking and the man is coming, I just think to myself, will he have seen me normally? If the answer is yes, I will call out. I, I will call, no matter, look, if I'm running to go and catch a flight. If normally he will have seen me, I will report myself. Even if I have to say, good afternoon, sir. I'm in a hurry so I cannot slow down. I will do that. Why? I read my scriptures. God said you must not curse a deaf man. Curse somebody who can hear. So in a go feet, fight them out. <laughs> you getting my point? If you are very strong, you are big, you want, somebody annoys you, want to slap him. Don't slap him if he's smaller than you. Look for your size. Slap that one. Then two of you fight. I will forgive you. Beat each other. I will send healing to you in hospital. But if I find out that you are twice his size, you are twice her size, you now take advantage of that. Then, listen to what I want to say. You don't plan to live long. (laughs) I've told you, jogging does not prolong life. It's refusal to oppress people that prolongs life. Jog from now till tomorrow. Then when you are coming home, you snatch food from a small boy because you are stronger than him. I had that joke recently. It's making me laugh. 
So your punishment is still doing press up. He's exercising himself onto punishing you. Are you getting my point? It may appear like small things. I'm not going to emphasize, but we fight every little thing. We fight every little thing, every form of ungodliness, no matter how little it appears. We fight it. It may look small, we fight it. Let me not continue giving more examples because I'm just trying to review briefly so that we know exactly where we are. So today we are going on to talking about how we use our words. That's why we read this. There's a culture of Christianity. Christians are different in the way they do things. They are different. We don't learn the culture of our environment. We create the culture of God for the environment. In every society we are in, we introduce how God says things should be done. The reason why things are wrong around is because people have different standards, different from the one that God has set by himself. Our duty as believers is to introduce that which is godly. That's our duty as Christians. So we are looking at that, how our words are used as believers in Christ Jesus. How we use our words. So we've seen the words of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to come back to this, but let's read what Paul said to us also in Colossians chapter 4, quickly. Colossians chapter 4. And I just want to bring out something here. Let's start from verse... Um, I like to read things in context. Where I'm going is uh, verse 6. But right, let's start from verse uh, 2. It said, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping our light in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. I'm happy I haven't read that one because I wanted to talk about this thanksgiving thing and it has escaped my mind. I'm happy that this brought it up. It said, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up towards a door for the word so that we may speak for the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, that is, in de- declaring the word of God. Say, so let your speech, please notice this, I told you I was coming to verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace. It's always, it's a culture. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt. Notice that. Seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how to respond to each person. Now, that's what I want to read here. Now, let me just um, stay, um, continue speaking. Now, I'll finish reading for now. There was something that David said in uh, Psalm 19. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my God. Now, please bear these scriptures in mind. They are the foundation for what I want to teach this evening. Talking about the culture of words. How we use our words as Christians. First, let me explain again the power of words. Words are very powerful. When God wanted to create everything, it did not come with machine. It did not come with um, bulldozers. He came with what? Words. He looked at everything. And when he had made up his mind what he wanted to do, he released the word. Light be, and light came into existence. He told the waters above and the waters below to separate. He told, it, it, it created everything, the animals. You know, on the fourth day, he put the stars and all of that, the sun, the moon, all of it with words. Everything he did, he did with words. When he wanted to heal people, he sent his word. I hope you're getting my point. That's what he did. And when Jesus was going to come down, the way he was described again is what? The word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. 
Now, that's just to emphasize to us again the power of words. Words shape everything that's around us. When, Jesus, when God was going to speak concerning Jesus Christ, you know what he said? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Look at where his emphasis was. Listen to him. That is, he's going to utter words to control everything that is around. That was the reason why he saw a tree that he did not like. He spoke at that tree, okay, and the tree died. If you go and check everything he did, he will speak words to people. He will speak to eyes, be open. Take up your palate and walk. Words were the things that he used all the time. Time for Lazarus to come out of the grave. You know, I told you I saw a Jesus of Nazareth they were doing on TV. And I told my children, we're all watching together. I know it's good. <laughs> we're watching Jesus, the story of Jesus. Very nice until it got to a point. I told them, I've been suspecting this Jesus for a while. <laughs> I've been suspecting that particular Jesus. He was doing some strange, strange things. When I finally made up my mind, this Jesus is fake, <laughs> was when they said, oh, open the stone. Lazarus died. Roll away the stone. He rolled away the stone. And he walked into the, into, into the grave. I said, human beings are very stupid. Don't you read the story of Jesus before you ask Jesus? Ah, uh-uh. wait a Must you write your own Bible? And he went there and put his hand on the, on the dead body of Lazarus. I said, not the Jesus I know. The genuine Jesus, the original Jesus, did no such thing. So this Chinese Jesus that come up with such, <laughs> such things be, be entering into the, the grave of Lazarus. The authentic Jesus stood outside the door. And spoke words to Lazarus. He said to Lazarus, come forth. That's what he needed to do. Now I'm talking about the power of words. Everything we do in life is centered around our words. Unfortunately, people don't understand the power in words. So they misuse their words. Now, you know, there was something the father drew to he said once. Very, I like the way he captioned it. Even this is basic truth of life. I just like his own captioning of it. He said, anything you do regularly, you become good at it. Now, we say, why are you referring to that? Sometimes, you know, the Bible says, exercise yourselves unto what? Godliness. Physical exercise prophecy too says, but godliness, that is what he was saying, that exercising yourself unto godliness has a lot of profit. Now, I want to turn it around now. Many times we exercise ourselves unto ungodliness. We deliberately wake up in the morning and weaken the power of our words. That's what I'm talking about. You can exercise yourself so that your words will be stronger, and you can also exercise yourself so that your words will be weaker. One of the ways you exercise yourself so that your words will be weaker is that from the same source, you start bringing forth good words and bad words. You are weakening the words. You are weakening the words. Another way you weaken your words is deliberately telling lies. Let's call it the way it is. Saying things that are not true. When you do that, you create a negative vibration in the realm of the spirit, which one of the things it does is to end people's lives. After a while, the spiritual connections around you become confused. They become confused because you've exercised yourself onto what is negative. Listen, I've said it before. The problem we have is that we don't understand what we have to do, I mean, what we are dealing with. Like I was saying yesterday in, in Abakiliki, you know, people don't understand the value of things. They say that, um, what is his name? Esau. As if Jacob defrauded Esau. I said, Jacob did not defraud Esau. Esau was the one that did not understand the value of what he was dealing with. Because I cannot get your computer off your hands because you are hungry. I offer you a plate of food. Give me your laptop. Will you give that to me? I'm not talking about your, 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 your car. How much more your inheritance? 
The only reason why you will sell that inheritance is that you don't understand that it has value. That's the reason. It is not as if Jacob was crafty. It is that Esau did not understand the value of what he was dealing with. And Jacob, because he understood the value, he was ready to take advantage of any opportunity to collect that inheritance. What am I going to say? Sometimes when we are dealing in life, we don't know what we are dealing with. When you are telling lies and saying things are not true, you think you are deceiving me or deceiving your neighbor. God said, you don't understand what is going on here. What you are doing is that you are weakening your spiritual power. Because God had done it like, like this, that we as believers, all right, we get developed to a particular level. That when we open our, our, our mouths to speak, nature, things around respond. That is a characteristic of sons of God. When God says, this is my beloved son, nature responds to the fellow. Unfortunately, when we get into a habit of retraining ourselves so that our words have no value, listen, what God expected is that just like Jesus operated, we will speak to sickness, it will go. That is, yesterday we were watching, um, we were watching Charles Cubs on TV, all right, in the house, and the Bible teacher, all right, and old videos of him, you know, they were showing it on uh, one of these uh, Christian channels. And it was, it was describing a particular encounter that they had in which, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, they go fishing, you know, this, uh, lucre, uh, what do you call it? Leisure, what do you call that? Not for leisure. Anyway, just, just go fishing for the fun of it, you know. Uh-huh. Just go to go and fish. So there's something they said they used to, to fish. So a fish swallowed one of the things that, uh, important stuff to them. The one fish swallowed it. So the other guy told them, they said, talk to the fish to bring it back now. So they spoke to the fish that this fish, you will revomit this thing back up. And they continued. After some time, the thing popped up on the boat beside them. So somebody said, some people say, a fish usually will swallow things and will vomit up things that they can't fully uh, ingest. He said, but we had left that point. We had, you know, we are we're like 50 something meters away from where, where, where we were before. How did the fish trace us to where we were and then release it right next to our boat? He said, but because we spoke words to the fish, that is what God intends for the power in the words of Christians to be. But you see, Anything God gives us, he gives us those things in infancy. They are small when we first receive them. So Paul said, exercise yourself unto godliness. One of the ways you exercise yourself with words is one of the ways. There are many ways. But one of them, one of them is that you constantly say that which is true. So that you are ready because some things were there before you. You align your mouth with that which your spirit is convinced is true. So that it gets to a point your mouth will say things that have not yet existed. You will not be like God who caused those things that be not as though they were. And things start responding. One of the ways being that you have trained your mouth never to create spiritual discordance. You've trained your mouth never to create, you know, wrong connections in the realm of the spirit. You've trained your mouth. Listen, what we are dealing with in this life is spiritual. What we are dealing with is spiritual. And we must understand how we control spiritual things. And that way we train our, our words to be strong and powerful is to always speak that which is in agreement with God. That was why David said it like this. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Listen, let me explain it again. When the Bible uses the word acceptable concerning God, what it's saying is, with that is this. This is the only one God accepts. Like, was it here I used this illustration? That I want to open the, the, the door. You give me a bunch of 20 keys. Only one of the keys is acceptable to that lock. It's not as if take this one, manage it. I don't know what is my point. If it's not the right key, that's it. If it's not the right key, it can't open it. So we will say, 
that this key is acceptable to that lock. So when the Bible says that, let the words, David was speaking, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What he was saying is that, Lord, help me, so that anything I say must be that which is in agreement with what you have spoken. The culture of Christianity, talking about words. Listen, no one thing Jesus said. He said, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine that men will see your good works. Now, I want to emphasize something from there. That is the way we speak is one of the ways that we are first identified as believers. I need to say that again. The way we talk is one of the earliest ways we are identified as Christians. And listen, last time we were talking about how to tap into the power of grace to walk in righteousness. You know, I said there are two keys that God gave us. First one is what? Maintain what? Your confession. Hold fast to your confession. We read that from Hebrews chapter 4. You hold fast to your confession. What is confession? The things that you are speaking with your mouth. It's very important. One of the ways by which we are first... No, no, before I I say this again. What the world tries to do, I said that yesterday and that last time, is to change the kind of things that we say. Because once that can be controlled, let me tell you something. You know, the Bible says that there's no temptation that has come to you that is not common to man. With every temptation, God has made a way of escape. Do you understand? Sometimes it appears to us as if we have temptations we could not control. I don't know whether I get my point. No, I mean, everybody has had that experience. You, I see this the temptation was, it was beyond me. Why we have that problem, I want to explain it. It's usually because the time we are trying to resist is the time we have already fallen. I don't know whether you are getting my point. The time we are trying to resist is the time that we have already fallen. Now, because the point that God said we should resist was earlier than that. But we wanted, you know, there's a saying we have in Western Nigeria, that you don't sniff the food you are not planning to eat. So he said, ah, do you want uh, this uh, plate of rice and uh, moi moi? He said, no. I said, check it. What do you think of the aroma? The Rubaman says, don't go near there. If you are not planning to eat, why hand yourself over to temptation? He said, I'm watching my weight. I'm watching my weight. Let me see. Well, how's the cake? <laughs> you know, you start touching the cake. <laughs> you know, you start touching it. You know what God is saying? It's easy to resist coming to sniff. Are you getting my point? But once you have sniffed, just chop the food. Don't just bother praying again. Just sit down, eat. You've already eaten in your heart. But if you just understand that the point of resisting is only in the matter of sniffing it, it's easier. So sometimes men want to hang around dishonest people, adulterous men. They want to hang in the bars with them, sharing communion. And when you ask them, they say it's because of business connection. Are you getting my point? And then they don't want to do what the men are doing. They get to a point, they say they are resisting temptation. God said, listen, the temptation was in the food matter. It was in hanging with them. You could have said no easily. When they were all heading for the bar, you could have headed for your house. That was not hard. But what was it that made it difficult for you to resist at that point? You focused your mind on what you will get from connecting with those men. So you threw away the ability to resist the temptation. Now, after hanging around with them for weeks and months, then finally they introduced you to all their bad works. And you are not telling us 
that you could not resist. God said you could, but you refused to. When they handed you over to a strange woman, is when you now wanted to resist. Because by that time, all my angels of resistance had left you. Now, what's the point I'm making with that? So when it comes to our words, the world knows. The world will try to make us conform with the way they talk. And I want to just get practical on something. Let's take the issue of the nation as an example. You know, everybody talks nonsense. You know what they call nonsense? One man wrote one the other day. I was very, very, I mean, many of you, I mean, afforded to you. One man wrote on how Saraki took control of the DSS uh, boss and the Supreme Court justices so that they could not, uh, they, they had to uphold his acquittal and that he made the IG of police start doing transmission, transmission. Did he? <laughs> You, you, you didn't read it. You know, <laughs> the man wrote a lot of junk. He says because Saraki is in Illuminati, and all. <laughs> now, if you did not, if you are not before that time possess your soul, the man will have confused you. So all he does is wink one eye and say something like "Corpus, Opus, Illuminatus," you know something like that. That once he says it to you, <laughs> he kept on going on. That if you notice. Tinubu does not focus on the guy that doesn't look the guys in the eyes because it's with his eyes he casts a spell. And he wrote very long stuff like this. Then last line. He said, in case you have believed this thing up to this point, <laughs> I want you to quickly collect your certificate and send it back to the school that gave it to you because obviously you don't deserve it. He said, I just wrote this to let you know all of us can write nonsense. That's why I'm talking about it. When I read it in there, I had a good laugh. I laughed and laughed. In fact, when I forwarded it to Bishop, <laughs> Bishop said when he got it, he was reading it and wondering that. He said, normally he would have just thrown this in away. He said, but pastor sent it. There must be something <laughs> inside it. Of course, when he read to the end, they need to join the laughter. What I liked about it was that the guy said, see, all of us can write rubbish. And really, if you had removed that last line, some newspaper will publish Saraki, uh, uh, breaking news, Saraki in the Illuminati. They will publish it, and people will start quoting it for you. Sometimes I see Christians, sometimes preachers. There are people who taught me Bible those days, when they will forward some things to me and tell me, read this one. And I look at them, and all, all I'm thinking is, Ichabod, the glory has departed from your brain. It does not work again. No, you're just looking at, how can you, an adult, Believe this. Why did I go into all of that? I want you to know that most of the things they tell you is somebody writing rubbish. Most of the thing, information you have out there is somebody writing nonsense. In our country of today, thank God for what WhatsApp can be used to do, but WhatsApp has done a lot of nonsense. People just settle down, read something, and forward it. Listen, Paul said to us that Galatians chapter 4. He said, let your words be seasoned with salt. Let your words be so seasoned with salt that it will do something so that you will know how to respond to each person. Elsewhere, he says, so that it will minister what? Grace to the hearers. That's the one I wanted to, I wanted to actually um, um, uh, quote now. That it will minister what? Grace to hearers. What I wanted to notice about that is this. The words of believers are supposed to minister something. No, I want you to understand that. The words of believers are supposed to minister something. 
Now, there's something I said I will say once I climb up. I just remembered it now. Let me pause here. I hope you can follow me. I say a lot of things. So. Okay. Amen. Praise God. I like the yes I got. Because most people were silent. That means like, oh God, you are confusing us. Okay, in Jesus' name, receive understanding in following me. Okay. Sometimes I give testimonies, and I'm going to give a few now as we are going on. As, I, as we are praying, before I came up, I just said I should say this. I want to emphasize that it is not a, it's not a preacher's job. Some of the things I will say, I'm not talking about preachers. It's just that I happen to be a preacher. I'm a teacher of the word. And I give myself as, a, and I, as an example. But I just feel like I should let you know. Remove it from your mind that this guy is a preacher. This guy is a Christian. Are you getting my point? Yes. This fellow is a Christian. Which means that some of the things I'm saying applies to you. That's a song. All the things I'm saying, they apply to every Christian. God has helped me. I've used some of them in my personal life. So I'm using them as examples. Now, let me give you one of them now. Because I want to go into that. That's why I said let me just say that. It's for everybody. One of the, you know, one of the things that I've experienced again and again is that when people are in trouble a lot of times, do you understand? They call, they just want to talk with me. Now, that's where I'm going. You just want to talk. I remember many years ago, results came out. I'm a university lecturer. I was heading my department that time. And my class captain failed. So he didn't pass. So I was sitting in the office one day. He came and he knocked on the door. Come in. Ah, class captain, what's going on? He said, nothing, sir. So why have you come? He said, I just came to sit down in your office. Oh, I said, okay, that case, keep sitting, just sit down. No, I instantly understood what he meant. He just sat down there and left me to my business. So I just wanted to know what I was doing. After a while, I kicked the conversation. We discussed. Are you getting my point? And what was the summary of it? The young man was distressed. Apart from the fact he failed the exam, he had family troubles, he had all kinds of things. So he just reasoned to himself, where, how do I, where do I get encouragement from? He remembered his lecturer, and he climbed to my office. He said, sir, can I sit here for a while while my spirit revives? I need to say that to let you know that the thing, the thing I said earlier, that don't think oh, you have an anointing as a preacher. No. It's just the way I had been talking with them before that time. You know, there's a story I have to share with some of you guys here. You know, one of my former students, a young woman, till she graduated from school, there was a time every exam she's taking, I am the last person she will call before she enters the exam hall. If the exam is at 9 o'clock, even if I don't remember she's taking an exam, once I see her number on my phone and it's like 8.55 or 8.45, I just know there's an exam at 9. What's going on? We're about to go in for the exam, sir. Okay, okay, okay. No, you know you shouldn't worry. Say, I know. We'll just chat, chat, chat. Just talk for like five minutes on the phone. And okay, now let us pray. Then we pray. Thank you very much. Why did she call me? Just to hear words seasoned with salt. I emphasize something at the beginning. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's just the way you've interacted with people. I want you to note today, it's an instruction of God. That your words must not discourage people, but be seasoned with grace. Are you getting my point? So that people hear your words and they are encouraged. You know, you talk to Christians sometimes. You just, you lose hope and they are supposed to be believers. 
Christians who open their mouth in a country like this, and when they finish talking to you, you will hate the Hausa man, hate the Fulani man, and hate Muslims. The painful part is that many of these people are on pulpits. I told you my wife went to church looking for fellowship on Sunday, and they collected church bulletin. No, they collected the, no, first, two, two experiences, then she stopped going. First experience, chief of Nava staff, I don't know which country, which state is from, chief of army staff, DSS chief, talk when he said, is this not impunity? Is this not impunity? It's impunity. Now we're going to pray. Lord, impunity must stop in this country in the name of Jesus. Let me just tell you, that is a stupid prayer and it's displeasing to the Lord. Next time she showed up, she showed up in the same church. What did she hear? Church bulletin. Let us pray that there will be trouble in Nassau Rock so that the president will run away. <laughs> printed. Church bulletin. Printed. There are Christians gathered on Sunday. And the prayer point is that the seat of government of the nation will become unsteady. Fire will come in there so that the head of state can run away. You know, when I was young, they told me about the patience of God and I believed in it. Now that I'm older, I, I understand it. Because God must be long-suffering. For us not to come out on Sunday and pastors' heads are on, are on the ground. Are you my point? No, normally he will have decapitated people. No, he's very patient. Let me tell you a sign that you know you don't have faith. If your analysis of situation is exactly the same as that of an unbeliever, you have no faith. Let me say it to you again. You want to check your own faith, whether it is good or bad, it's simple. Let them talk about 2019. See, that's our next election in this country, right? Let discussion on 2019 start. Then hear yourself talk. Record your own talk. Then go to the beer parlor near your house. Sit down there. Record their talk. Then give the talk to your wife to analyze both. If she tells you that there are 50% similarity, just know you don't have faith. 50% is what I said, though. If 50% congruency between your talk and that of drunk people, Average unbelievers on the street is the same. You sit down, you analyze the situation of full enhancement, you say the same thing. You sit down, analyze coming election, you say the same thing. You sit down, analyze the economy, you are saying the same thing. Listen to me, you have no faith. You have no faith. One day, one of my brothers posted to our brethren's chat group an article by Panikayode about either the current government or election or something. I can't remember now. I've forgotten. I can't remember who posted it. I can't remember the details. What I remember was what I said. I replied to him. I said, when did Fanny Kayode become an instructor of the brethren? That was my question. What is this article doing on, on this chat group? How does this article build my faith? The Bible says, by faith we understand. Without faith, you have no understanding. I don't care how informed you are. You don't have understanding. I don't care how informed you are. You have no understanding. I believe, witnessing something with your eyes does not mean you understand what you are seeing. You need to have background knowledge, background information for you to be able to interpret what you are seeing right now. So the fact that you saw it does not mean you understand it. And the Bible says... Without faith, we have no understanding. He said, by faith, we understand. I'm, I'm, no, I'm shortening that particular verse in Hebrews chapter 11. 
said, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. We're talking about uh, um, um, election next year. Remember the culture of Christians. You can get to open your mouth and start talking nonsense. Now this is Nigerian nonsense when it comes to election time. There is a cabal. They have decided who will win. Look, these old men, they don't want to go away. There's one bishop in Enugu here. He has a personal problem with men who are 70 years and ruling. And I feel like telling him, sir, did they tell you that, that, that these people are Anglican clergymen? If in the Anglican church you have retirement age of 70, it does not make it national policy. Many of these world leaders today, they are older than 70. America, that all the children want to run to. How old is their president? That's not even my... My issue is not about age. Is that if you're a minister of the gospel, what is your business with age? How can you open your mouth and say you're a Christian? You're analyzing what is going to happen in the next election. The counsel of God, the sovereignty of the Almighty, the fact that he rules in the affairs of mankind is not prominent in your talk. You're an unbeliever. You sit down for one hour analyzing. Look. The house of Fulani hegemony. They have conspired with some foreigners. And you are talking and talking. You know some people are more tribal than Christian. They have more loyalty to their ethnic group than they have to Christ Jesus. Listen, I've told you, Christianity is not a joke. If you don't like it, go away from it. But you can't come in with one leg. You don't put one here and put one here. Listen, you want to analyze what's going on in the next election? You pull out the scriptures. That is how you know Christian talk. I told my classmates, one day they said, they asked me, in fact, one of my classmates, a good friend, he said, Banky, if, if I did not know you, I would have wondered what happened to you because he, saw, he felt I was supporting the current government. And I answered him, I said, my brother, there are many people fighting them. I am obeying the scriptures. Because I seem to be making excuses for things. I said, you don't understand. We are fighting war here. You have, you have joined. Now, I'm adding many things together now. All right? Not just that conversation. You have joined the camp of the enemy. You have become an accuser of the brethren. This is not the brethren. Now, you have, you have become an accuser of the nation. You have become one whose words are being used by the enemy to fight the government of Nigeria. You have become one whose words are being used to cripple the economy. The economy of the country. You have become one whose words are being used to ensure that nothing good comes out of this country. And you think you are running commentary. Listen, life is not football. In, your, in football, maybe you are in your house. What you are saying does not affect how Messi is playing. Football, you can sit down. And maybe, I don't know, I don't know the dynamics, spiritual dynamics of football. Maybe what you are saying in your house does not affect the outcome of the game. Let me tell you about like, real life. What you are saying in your house is part of the spiritual quantities that's affecting the product of the decisions being made in Asorok. Listen, being in the seat of government, you know, one day, my chief medical director, you know, he called a meeting of the big people in the hospital, and we're in his office, we're having a meeting in the boardroom. At the end of the day, he said something. He said, look, all of us should understand something. 
Because of course, criticism will come and all of that. He said, listen, this job, I have many bosses who I have to answer to. He said, I have bosses from Abuja, federal government. I work with federal government. He said, this community, they are Igwe's. They are one of the bosses I have. He gave us three sets of people that he has to answer to. So we couldn't just sit at home and say, eh, you are doing an appointment. You did not use merit. It was telling us in effect, look, merit has its place. But these other people, they have their places too. I can't get a phone call from the minister for, for health. And you're telling me that, merit, merit, merit. You want me to fire me? <laughs> and I've been there before. When one Igwe, they were doing an interview. He walked in. He put his two hands. If you see the shouting, because he wanted to, be, to ensure that the quota for his community was intact. The man just says, look, look, so if you want to start abusing me, just know that it's not only you. I, of course, I have to answer to you people too. So I have to answer to so many people. So sometimes you will see my decisions. It's not because I'm stupid or I don't know what is right. But I may be the ogre here. I'm not really the ogre. There are like four ogres sitting, two here, two here. <laughs> what I'm telling you is, look, that's how life is. Some of you think that uh, the President Buhari is just making all the decisions. Let me tell you something. We here are making decisions with him. Be, look, I pray, oh God, if God will open your eyes and you will see the day, the day of God's judgment, some things he will hold you responsible for, you'll be shocked. You say, Lord, but I never crossed, uh, I never crossed, uh, I never went close to Abuja. Not, not even talk about Asorok. And God will hold you, your friends, all responsible for a critical government policy that failed. Like, how did we make it fail? You crippled the hands of the angels I sent with your words. Every time they went out to make sure things work, you got up and spoke with voices of accusation. And Satan gathered those voices, brought them to his side of the case. Because please read my book, By Faith Acquire Life. Life is on trial all the time. And you became part of the accusers. So I had to rule in judgment and I withdrew power from the angels. So they came back. And government policy failed. Then you say, I said so. Not realizing. Your prophetic word was being fulfilled. Like I said all the time, at least let it not be quoted. That I did not do my own portion. I mean, if you do right, it doesn't mean things will work well. Because you're not the only person here. Let it not be that it is quoted that you are one of those who did what was wrong. And so things failed. Life is not football. You are not a commentator. Your voice is prophetic, especially when you are a child of God. So they say election is coming next year. Let me say to you again, don't waste your time with analysis. Before you start the analysis, just make simple statement. Oh, I said now, God has decided who will rule. There is a cabal. So it's not their decision. They may be used by God or frustrated by him. They have a choice of two. That is, those are their destinies. It's one of two. Either they are used by him or they are frustrated by him. But no cabal, none, can make a decision and it will stand. God even said, who is it that prophesies the thing and it comes to pass except that the Lord has commanded it? This is how Christians talk. Listen, remember I said, not because, in fact, one day I was, I was chatting with my classmates. From different parts of the from different parts of the world, one of them said, "Must you see everything because you're a pastor from that spiritual angle?" 
I said, because I'm a pastor, no. But because I'm a disciple of Christ Jesus, the answer is yes. I will see everything from the spiritual angle. I said it openly. I said, by the way, I'm praying that you, I mentioned two other people, will also become disciples of this same Christ Jesus. That is my prayer for you. I'm saying something here. I said, no, I'm not talking because we, we, we disagree a lot. Some like, ah, why are you always on the side of the government? I said, yes. Why? I said, it's Christian commandment. What if they are doing what is wrong? I will go and pray for them. I will not join the accusers. He said, you should be able to see this truth and speak it to who? <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. And then, by the way, you can't see any truth anyway. What do you know? Newspaper reports? The other day I was, you know, I, you know, I don't like watching CNN regularly anymore. I, watch, I prefer to watch BBC. But occasionally you see flip over to CNN and see the noise that they are making. That's when I said, in fact, once they made the statement, I switched the channel. I said, this is wickedness. These people hate Donald Trump. Yesterday I read it again. The man said, he said, look, they should fire the head of CNN. That the head of CNN has only one agenda, to undermine Donald Trump. That's what Donald Trump said. And I believe him. Do you know why I believe him? That day, it was reported that the American economy was doing fantastically. Interest rate was down. Jobs all over the place. Unemployment down to some of the lowest they've had in 50, maybe 100 years. Things were just doing, going well. CNN was reporting it. You know what they reported? I just read the channel as soon as I heard that. He said, that, yeah, you know, uh, these are the policies of, uh, what's the name of the Federal Reserve Chairman? I don't know the current guy. So this is the policy of the current guy, a man that Donald Trump is always criticizing. Can you see the way he reported it? They first reported the progress in the economy. All my life, anytime economy progressed like that, people put the blame or the credit at the door of the president. You know what they did? They took the credit, they placed at the door of the chairman of the Federal Reserve, and quickly added a line. This is a man that President Trump has been criticizing. To let you know that the economy is doing well despite Donald Trump, not because of his policies. I just switched the channel. I said this is hatred. Because, you see, there was some once, uh, Donald Trump's a former uh, press chief. Okay, the, the, the guy, the, the PRO, I forgot their title anyway, the first one that time. The guy said something one day, we were interviewing him on one of these TV channels. He said, why, is he, why are they always angry? He said, listen, that this is what people said. That he will not win the Iowa caucuses, whatever. I'm just giving words now. He won it. They say he can't do this, he did it. They say he will not do this one, he did it. You guys every time kept on saying he can't, he can't, he can't. He did. You say he will not win the primaries, he won it. And you said there's no chance he'll win the presidency, he won it. There has a time not come for people to back down, to leave the man alone. That you have consistently tried with your factual reporting to undermine him. Every time he does something wrong, they bl- now please, I'm not, I'm not an American, so you can understand what I'm going to say. I'm just going to use that one to point out something to you. The f- facts you, you are claiming you know, you read it from the news. You read it from newspaper reports. They are not honest reports. Look, some people don't like uh, President Buhari, of course. Is that news? <laughs> so every time a decision is made and it's good, they will find a way to explain that he was not the one that made it. He's um, acting president, that's our vice president, fired the, the chief of DSS. Everybody said, you see, it's because a guy was not around that. When he comes back now, he will restate the man. 
He has come back since. The man is still fired. Then nobody will say anything. Are you, are you, I hope you're getting my point. Now, I'm not emphasizing something to you here. The so-called newspaper reports, they are biased. Why was the DSS man fired? The details of it, this is a point you don't know. It is not inside the pages of the newspaper. Sometimes a man is appointed into power by a governor, by a president. You will sit down, newspaper will do percolation and permutation and explain to you why. You will not know the real reason. It may be, I don't want to give you some examples even in Enugu here. You see one man appointed into a particular office. You say, ah, it is because of this, and I lie. It's because several years ago, the governor went somewhere and he met this man and the man showed his, you know, maybe his skill in what he was doing. So one day the governor there to make an appointment, just remember the man. He brought him in. And you be saying it's because it's from Udi. You need to balance. It balance. It's not balancing. Any. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. So all the so-called, if you see the truth, speak it. The truth that you are not seeing anything. The truth is what? You are not seeing anything. You are not supposed to be speaking so as to be liked. Let me quickly say that. Many people, you know the Bible commanded them in Israel. Never follow the multitude to do wrong. God knew there's mob effect. So he warned them, don't follow the multitude to do what is wrong. Your talk is not supposed to be popular. It's not supposed to be something you do so everybody will like you. People are confused. They are looking for who has direction. I don't know whether you are getting my point. So you will be doing yourself a great disservice to follow confused people. If only you will stand and say, this is the direction I'm following. Do you know what will happen? After some time, people will follow you. Don't jump, put your mouth and be talking the way everybody is talking. The only thing you are allowed to say, listen, Christians, you don't have your own opinion. I hope you understand my point. There are statements you don't make. I'm entitled to my own opinion. You can say when you're arguing with your friends, as in, you, are, you can think what you want to think, I can think what I want to think. But in the deep in your heart, you understand you are entitled only to one opinion. What is that opinion? God's opinion. And listen, you are an ambassador for Christ. If Nigeria sends an ambassador to United States, and the man himself believes everything the Americans believe, let's take uh, these are homosexual rights, even if he himself is one of them. But if he's Nigerian ambassador, you know what he will do? When you say, what is your opinion on same-sex marriage? The position of my country is that it's against the law, against our constitution, and we have a 15-year imprisonment waiting for anybody who tries it, both the people who married and the person who married them. <laughs> Listen to me. Even if he disagrees in his heart, he is not allowed for one moment to even make it appear as if he disagrees. He cannot for one moment utter his own opinion, even in private, as long as he's on posting. You know, military command, I noticed something about them. One day, Norman Shwashkov, he has died now, he was a field commander for Operation Desert Storm. When America went to Iraq the first time to kick Saddam Hussein out of, no, okay, they went to Kuwait actually. To kick Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. This was around 1990, 91. Can't remember which year exactly, but it's 90 or 91. Can't remember for sure now. But see, Norman Shwashkov, beautiful field commander. Then, after I kicked Iraq out of Kuwait, 
he wanted to pursue them into Iraq and, you know, just overrun Iraq. So the American big boys in, in, um, in White House, in America, both in Pentagon and the Saddam, the president actually, Saddam with his, his, his chiefs, after they raised the reason, they said no. So they called him and told him to stand down. That once the guys have moved out, he shouldn't push them further down to Baghdad. Do you know what? He mistakenly leaked to the press that George Bush did not allow him. Do you know he had to offer an apology for that? They were going to fire him for it. You just mistakenly open your mouth and say, ah, Nasir Ogano agree. I would have finished those guys entirely. He did everything right. Though. He won the battle neat. Won the war. Everything went as planned. But he wanted to move on to Baghdad. George Bush said, no, you stop. And he just told somebody, say, ah, just because of God agree, just because they didn't agree, I was going to pursue that. Just offering that statement was trouble. And then the commander in Afghanistan was retired by Obama for simply making a statement like, the president is being too soft on these guys. He should let me do what I want to do. They fired him, retired him from the army. I don't know whether I get my point. When I read what he said to the Rolling Stone magazine, because some you know, these reporters, troublemakers, they came <laughs> intervening for a magazine called Rolling Stone magazine, and he just made a statement to imply as if the president is kind of is kind of being soft. If he allowed me, I will hit these guys with a punch. That statement had him removed from, and he was one of their top generals. Sacked him overnight. What am I going to say? If you're under command, you have no opinion. That's where I'm going. You have no opinion of your own. You have an opinion, you keep it to yourself. You take instructions from above. You are ambassadors for Christ Christians. Everything you say must express the opinion of God, not yours. Everything you say as a believer must express God's opinion, not yours. Not how you feel. No. Election is coming. Yes. What do you have to say? Um, we believe that God rules in the affairs of Nigeria. When God separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of them according to the numbers of the number of the sons of Israel. And we are the Israel of God. This nation was created for a special purpose by God. And that purpose will be accomplished. And God who created it has determined already who will be the next ruler. And only the counsel of God will stand. That is the beginning of your opinion, and that's the end of it. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, I'm talking about the culture of words. There are so many things to say. I just feel like getting practical with that example. You don't express anything that God did not express first. You're not allowed. That is why I'm back to it again. If they tell you a witch killed a Christian, no matter how much you believe it, you can't say it. Because you're telling them that God, his father, is weak. Jesus has forgotten how to take care of his own. That the witches are more powerful than Christ Jesus and his angels. There are statements you make and God needs to flog you. Yes. There are statements you make. Listen, your doctrines, you must be careful because it's with your words. Your doctrines must align with the glory of Jesus. Now, now, let me say that again. I know what I said. I want to say it again. What you utter with your mouth must align with the glory of Jesus. 
you cannot be glorifying Satan every day. You say you're a Christian. They say, why are you sick? You say, my mother-in-law is wicked. Why are things not working? It is because my auntie is a witch. You know, there are statements you make. Now, I want to say something which is, sounds very harsh. But please. I have to say it. So I have to warn you. There are statements you make. God will have to punish you. He will warn you. He will warn you first time. So, but don't say that in again. He warn you a second time. So don't say that in again. When you say it again, then he will have to. How he will do it, I don't know. He will have to. You join the multitude to be claiming that the problem with you, your life, your business, is that there is a witch in your village. There are statements you don't make. Even if you believe them, at least with your mouth, you start pretending. Because that's where it starts from. Say, in Jesus' name, I'm a winner, I'm not a loser. Greater is he that is in me that is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> this wish they won't keep person, but you don't say it. <laughs> the Bible says these are the people that overcame. That overcame the devil. They overcame him how? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. That's the one I want to just bring out. Remember, the words of Christians is not commentary. Our words are prophetic. Let me talk about that prophetic word again. That You have to understand that your words are prophetic. There's a way Christians talk. Let me give an example. Have you ever heard an expression like this before? Women don't know how to handle money. No, no, no that's that that even a mild one. Women cannot be trusted. Have you heard that expression before? There are things you say and God will be angry with you. Why should the world teach you? Are you an unbeliever? Just give me a minute. Let me talk briefly about that. Adam was given the responsibility to do what? Give names. We're not teaching on marriage now, but you go and read that portion of Genesis. You will see that God brought every animal to him to see what he will call them. And whatever he called that animal, that was what the animal was. Now, please, before, please follow this. You will notice something. Before God said, before the Bible said God brought the animals, he said for the man, God had said it is not good that he is alone. I will make him a helpmate. He now said he brought every animal to him and he gave them names. At the end of the day, he made a statement. There was none fitting for the man. That is, they were not just trying to name, they were looking for help. What God now did next was to cause the man to sleep. He now took a rib from his side. You know the story? We just don't want to read it now. And fashioned it into a woman and brought her to Adam. And what's next? Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, a woman she shall be called. Now listen to this. Did you notice that he gave name to her the way he gave to all the other creatures before that point? And whatever he called those creatures, that was their name, right? And whatever he called the woman... That was her name. And name describes your character. Husbands, be careful what you call your wives. You wake up in the morning and say, this woman is irresponsible. That's a name. You just dashed her. The name, irresponsible. The woman will try her best to be responsible, but she will not be able to. Why? Adam had baptized her with the ability to be irresponsible. 
Life is a battle. So what if you see responsible? It is your duty to guard it and keep it. That's what the Bible said Adam should do to guard it. God gives you something. Guard it and keep it. You begin to prophesy responsibility. When she's sleeping, in Jesus' name, you are responsible. <laughs> but you don't affirm that which is negative. The words of Christians, our words are prophetic. You don't ever mistakenly open your mouth and speak negatively about anything that depends on you. Now, first, let me give an example. Your business... Most importantly, your children, you don't. Your country, you don't. You know, you actually hear Christians say things like, this country is hopeless. I hope, now, let, listen, I may sound harsh. I hope you know that's a curse on yourself. Because those of us who are saying there is hope and good will come out of it, we are, our words will triumph. And when good comes out of it, you will not be able to participate in it. Don't curse yourself. You are taking up battle against many people who have soaked themselves with the word of God. Don't curse yourself. Don't curse yourself. You have to be very careful. There are statements that, like I said, we speak. You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? He said, having the same spirit of faith as him that said, I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe, therefore what? We speak. You, what you speak must be that which you believe. And which must be the word of God. I said to you, look, there are some things that must not be recorded that you are one of those who ruined it. Things fault. Economy is fault. And in heaven. Listen, God is not reckoning with the people who are sitting in Asorok. He's reckoning with the people who are his people. In every nation, he has his own people. Let me tell you something. Why is Nigeria, Nigeria economy is good? Somebody say amen. amen. Now, why are, things are not, why are things not the way they are supposed to be? There's only one reason. Who can tell me the reason? The church. Thank you. There are no two reasons. If Nigerian roads are not good, God said, who do you hold responsible? The church in that nation. If government is not good, who do you hold responsible? The church in that country. Anything going wrong, who do you hold responsible? The church in the place. And like I'm explaining to you today, your words are some of the choices weapons God has given you to control what is going on around. Don't let Satan take it from you. Things that depend on you, you don't speak negatively about your children. Because of what? No matter how badly they behave, no children, Satan, they are the ones Satan likes to recruit the most. What that means is that they are the tempters of your soul. Don't do this, they do it. Some parents will now, some parents will now respond. This boy, you can never go far in life. Have you heard such things before? And they respond because they are angry. Listen to me, you are forgiven in Jesus' name. But don't do it again ever if you're a parent. And if you're going to be a parent one day, learn it now. There are different ways you talk about children. Like the one I use, I use with my kids. They are grown now, so flogging is now a, an uncommon experience. But those days, like, in Jesus' name. <laughs> it's like, you will not do that again. It sounds angry, right? But it's a prophetic word. This is not Jesus' boy behavior. Ah, <laughs> those days. That, that was my wife's favorite line those days when Akilo and Ku were very small. She would actually make you stand up. Who do you used to do that saluting thing? I don't even know whether it's you or me. They had a song they used to learn in school, in church. Are you in the Lord's army? Yes, sir. You know the song? Yes. You all know it? Yes. Uh-huh. 
But I learned it from them. Are you in the Lord's army? Yes, sir. So, I will never I do nothing. So, those days, we they did anything wrong. My wife will answer, is that, are you in the Lord's army? Is that Jesus' army behavior? You will use your mouth to answer, no. And even though you are being flogged, the prophetic word shall comfort that you are in the Lord's army. <laughs> but you will never hear me tell any of my children you are stupid. They've never heard it. They have never heard it. They have never. I tell you, you are stupid. How, how can you be stupid? How? How, 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 how is it going to work? I will prophesy the opposite of stupidity into your head. You know why? It's my responsibility. It does not mean you will not tempt me. I know you're a tempter. <laughs> God has allowed you that one. Foolishness is bound up in your heart. But I have a responsibility in the name of Jesus to remove it with the rod. <laughs> I will flog foolishness away from you, but I will never call you a fool. I will realize we have a duty to do. We have a responsibility. Even in anger, we prophesy. So you will not make me say what is wrong. And I will flog you as I'm saying that. You will learn to do what is right. You will do what is befitting of your age. Are, are you seeing? I'm angry. Can you see? I'm very, very, can't you see the anger in my face? I'm boiling with anger. By the time I'm done with you, you will have sense. Prophetic words. Prophetic words. By the time I'm done with you, you will know right from wrong. <laughs> Listen, I've seen the word of God change the culture in homes as parents learned to prophesy the word of God. The church of God were prophetic people. I need to emphasize that. Our job is what? Prophecy. Let me say something briefly and I begin to close. You know, he said, touch not my anointed and do what? Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Now, he said, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Okay? Who was he talking about? He was talking about Abraham. Go and read it. Who was he talking about? He was talking about Isaac. Who was he talking about? He was talking about Jacob. And he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You know, when we see the word prophet, we are waiting for the man with the prophetic unction. No, this man is a prophet. No, when he used that expression, who did he call a prophet? He called Abraham a prophet. He called Isaac a prophet. At least we have a reference elsewhere where Abraham was referred to as a prophet. When he told them, Abimelech, said, let him pray for you because he's a prophet. You know, that's what he said. But there's no way I remember him referring to Isaac as a prophet. Where did they call Jacob a prophet? I'm not aware. Maybe there, I don't know everything. But the point I'm making is this. When he called people prophets, he was referring to people that had a covenant with God. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Now, the prophet of God now is the church of Christ. That's the point I'm making. Is there any prophet in the house? Yes, if you're a prophet, give me an amen. amen. Every single one of God's children in that context is called a prophet. And prophets have a duty to do what? To prophesy. Oh, thank you. The duty of believers is to prophesy all the time. If you hear people like us talking about the country, it is not because we don't see what is negative. We see it. But by faith we do what? We understand. And when we have understood, we prophesy as commanded. We don't prophesy as desired. 
We prophesy according to what the word of God has bested in us. That's what we do. So when we start, when we speak, I told my classmate thought that, ah, why are you such an ardent supporter of this current government? I said, it's a Christian duty. It's a Christian duty. So when I open my mouth and talk, it's not support, it's prophecy. It's not support, it's prophecy. I want you to understand, you have a duty to prophesy to everything that's around you, including the bad road in front of your compound. Oh, my wife is good with that. My wife has prophesied on the road in our neighborhood. They are, they are bad currently, but just be watching. Eventually. <laughs> but you know the mistake we make as believers? Sometimes all we do is what? Comment. Why? We think life is what? Soccer. We think it's football. Or because we don't realize the power in the words that we have. Listen, this is what you are going to do as a believer from today. Everything that strikes you negatively, you look at the nation, you look at your wife, you look at your children, you look at your business. First thing you do, you go and pray. You will decode the prophetic word from the place of prayer. After that, that is the only thing you are allowed to speak about that situation. Let me add one, please. I need to add. There are so many things to say. Ah, God, I just remembered one. Ah, please, give me two more minutes. I need to add this one to it. As part of the prophetic culture we are talking about, we also have a culture of thanksgiving. Yes, that's Christian culture. Thanksgiving is Christian culture. Thanksgiving is Christian culture. You know what Paul said? He said, in everything do what? In everything do what? I didn't hear you well enough. In everything do what? He said, this is the will of God concerning you. What is God's will? That in everything you Give thanks in everything. It is a habit of Christians. The weather is bad, you don't complain. The weather is bad, you don't complain. Oh, we thank God for rain. Too much sun, we thank God for sun. No food, we thank God for hunger. We know food will come. But there must be no word of grumbling from our mouths. Let me say this to you. I want to say this one. I need to explain this. Do you know Israel? You know why they perish in the wilderness? They murmured. Neither murmur ye, as they also murmured, and they perished in the wilderness. You are not allowed to murmur. Now, what I want to say to you briefly is this. Why did Israel murmur? Let me tell you the truth. They had tangible reasons to murmur. If you had a family, you have your wife, you have your children, there's no water. You also go to Moses. And so, God, Moses, thank you for your services so far. We thank you for deliverance from Egypt. Uh, you have been a good leader, but where is water? And if Moses does not give you an answer, you will call a rally. Did we beg him to take us out of Egypt? Now, what am I going to say? Something pushed them to complain. Don't forget it. Something pushed them to complain. Now, I'm going somewhere with all the things I'm saying. So sometimes you enter a road. You are going to, who has been to Portacot in recent times? How beautiful is the road? Maybe after you pass two more here, till you get to Portacot. It's an express road, like a wrong way. The road is not good at all. Guess what? God is angry if you are driving on that road and you complain. This is the culture of Christians. We thank God that we'll get to Portacot. We thank God that no matter how bad this road may seem, we have a road. Thank God that it's not Afghanistan where we are waiting for, we are, we are checking the side of the road that a bomb will go off. We thank the Lord that no matter how bad it is, there is a road. We thank God that at least we are going somewhere. We thank God there is a road. 
And we are going somewhere. Eventually, we'll get there. Thank God for the extra time we are spending on the road. Can you see? It's very important you understand this. Every negative thing is being converted through thanksgiving to a positive spiritual influence. Christian culture. So when salaries are delayed, it's not from the mouth of the believer in the office. The other people in the office now start hearing how useless the country is or how hard it is for people, for people to get by. Because salary is delayed. When they say salary has not been paid, when you hear, you know the first thing we say? We give praise. Say, what are you giving praise for? Because God is good. But salary has not been paid, he's still the supplier. Money has never been the supplier. God has been the supplier. There is always a reason to give thanks. Have you, you've heard this, this story of a man who was always positive in everything. And the king was his friend. And then one day, they went on a hunting ex- expedition and the gun went off, mistakenly and cut off the, the finger of the king. And his normal re- reflex to everything is, it is good. So the king was shouting in pain. Ah, my finger, my finger. He said, it is good. The king looked at what? What did he say? It is good. He took the man and threw him in prison. He had the man thrown into prison. So one day the king went hunting again. And he went into the district of some cannibals and they captured him. So they decided they were going to eat the king. So they tied him to the stake. Wanted to start roasting him. Then somebody noticed that his finger had been cut off. And they have a habit. They don't eat anything that's not perfect. So they released the man and let him go. So the king went back home and felt very bad. That Look at how his life has been saved by that accident. And remember his friend has been in prison. So he released the man and said, sorry. I'm so sorry I kept him in jail all the while. What was the first the man said? It is good. <laughs> and the king like, you have come again. What can be good about this situation? He said, my lord, remember, if I was not in jail, I would have been with you. <laughs> Do you get that? <laughs> it's perfect. He had no defect. They will have whacked him, roasted him completely. <laughs> the man said, it is good. And I want you believers to understand. All of us believers, we must bear this in mind. The Bible says, all things work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He did not say individually they will look good. Individually they may look bad. Like somebody said, if you taste the ingredients that's used to make soup individually, you don't like them. Think about it. They give you rough uh, bitter leaf to chew. You may as well go and buy yo-yo bitters. <laughs> What's your own with raw bitter leaf? Have you ever tasted palm oil on its own? Just palm oil, just palm oil, palm oil. Can you eat it? You may not have a foul taste, but there's nothing palatable about it. They now give you... Oh, let's not even go near Maggie. They give you salt on its own. It doesn't have a nice taste. It's, it retains the tongue. There's this, this small, small black seed that we put in. That one that smells bad. Oh, good hair. There are a lot of things you don't want to eat, but my people, when they put it together and put temptation on it, you know what temptation? Heat, fire. The pressure of the society. That's what I mean by temptation. You put everything together, put it on the fire for some time. As you are passing, ah, what's going on there? It's already smelling nice. And then when they put it on a the plate, then you will believe the word of God that says all things work together. When they are working together, 
they are good. I hope you are getting my point. <laughs> so somebody has been sacked from a job, it is good. Somebody has not felt well for a week, it is good. Somebody here, you don't have any money, it is good. After this woman kept you waiting for six months, finally gave you an answer and it is a no. Answer me, it is good. You are planning a wedding and everything you need is not complete. Everything that is negative, it is good. Why? Because God, in the midst of what appears negative, is putting things together in your life to bring out his purpose. He's putting things together in your life to bring out his purpose. Christians, we have a culture. We are always full of what? Thanksgiving. We are not grumbling people. I told my wife, I asked my once in a while, I said, you've known me for a long time. When have you ever heard me complain about life? I've known my wife now for about 20 years. Been married for, I was, how long have I been married? <laughs> 19, no. You want to bring me to your level? <laughs> 20, 19 years, yes, 19 years this year. By December. Ah, the Lord, the Lord is good. I'm a senior guy. Senior, you don't pretend. But tell me it. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> it is well with you. <laughs> I've known my wife for, because I knew her by a year before that. I've known my wife now for about 20 years. She has never heard me complain about life. Never. 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 Or oh, maybe life has always been good. No. Those early days, just shortly before we married, I remember. My wife would call me one of those days, have you eaten? And I can't answer. Do you know why? Because I haven't. Why? I was broke. I was broke. I was a senior registrar in loose, but I was broke. So broke I could not eat. She has never heard me complain. One of those said, please, go to a Degbe. I will, I will go to a Degbe park in Benin and go and give a driver money to give you. I said, no. Why not? I said, because, yes, leave it, I'm proud. I'm serious, so don't think like, but I have never. When I first got to Lagos, I told you, I didn't used to go anywhere. Why? Middle of the month, when I was working those days in Lose, middle of the month, I was flat broke. I, I got wisdom. I want to pay salary, I go and buy food. <laughs> middle of the month, I was always flat broke. Always. There's no, uh, there's no magic. So if you need money from me, just be waiting, then pay salaries. You just come and collect your portion. If you come on the 14th of the month, I'm broke. We will just wait till the end of the month. And I have never complained. I just have never, I'm not joking about it though. I will fight. That is, you see me quarrel with my colleagues. When people rush to, to, to they're looking for visa, they go to, to, to a Christian, they go to VI doses. I say, me? Ah, there's a godly pride that God put. I felt too important in life for some things. He said, you go, you come and queue. I said, me? Come and queue from 3 a.m. Only Jesus has the right. To demand that from me. And that's to be for going to heaven. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I'm, look, you know, sometimes when I see people grumble about things, I wonder, you're, you're grumbling about what? I said I'm not going to America, UK, to go and look for prosperity. I said I don't want. I, I used to go there because, you know, like I told you before that time, that's actually where I learned the things from. I, I, I would drive my cousin there. I'll just I'll be looking at Nigerians on a queue. I see them on the queue. Where are you going? The guy talking like this didn't have anything. So don't think that I have so much money. No. I just be wondering, where are you going? Will you suffer like this to preach the gospel? 
Will you suffer like this to obey God? No. Just to go to another man's country and say, I'm a refugee. I said, Laila, this guy telling you this didn't have anything. A friend of mine was driving me in his car. His car. Notice it, his car. His car. He said, eh, these are our fathers. They have fled this country. There's no hope for we young people. The car suddenly felt stuffy to me. The glass was down. I stuck my head like this to the window. <laughs> I remember we were on Anthony Bridge. I remember that day. And I began to say, thank you, Lord. The future is bright. Thank you, Jesus, because you are good. Thank you for my life. I was so full of gratitude. This guy is my age mate, class, no, level mate, but he studied banking and finance, first degree. I went and studied medicine, which meant that two years after I was in school, after I graduated, then I finished school and do a year of house job. Into the, the, the labor market, he was three years ahead of me. I just finished NYC. He had a small car. And we were inside that car that day. And he was telling me about how useless the country was. And I remember I stuck my head out. And I said, life is good. Father God, I thank you. I was great. People asked me that time, how are you? My answer was, life is good. It was later on I see LG began to use the advert, life is good. I said, ah, why do you steal my thing? <laughs> I told them, I said, I am not queuing to collect anybody's visa. I am not going to queue. You know, I said, words are very powerful. Do you know that word? That word was stored in heaven and fired back at me one day. The first time I was going to the American embassy to go and collect a visa. But then they restructured everything. They gave everybody a time. You show up, I, I, I think I chose the 9 o'clock time. I came at 9. There's something that God does for you. Typical of me. Of course, I got there like 10 minutes to, no, I, I think I got there around 8.30. Typical of me. I just hung around. When it's okay, 9 o'clock, they open the door, everybody come. I will be the last to carry my things. I just walk there gingerly. I'm not, I'm not begging to come to your country. You know, I just have this divine pride. Also, is not my portion. So because of that, I was the last on the queue. That word, which I released long before that, we said I will not queue for anybody. God remembered and fired it back. I said, that guy is not going to queue. So as I stood on that short queue, it was short. I just heard somebody say that, no, you're supposed to pay in the bank. And I had not paid. So I left the place, quickly took a taxi, and rushed to the closest bank to go and pay them their visa fees. You know why God did that? By the time I came back from the bank, the queue was over. I just got there. One woman was just packing her things when they checked before you go in. And I just walked in there, showed them my stuff. They opened the door and I walked in. And I laughed because I said, I will never kill for anybody. Years later, God ensured that that thing happened. He didn't let me stay in front of American embassy in Abuja. That is queuing up. I just came down and walked straight in. I've told the story many times. The lady looked at my papers, looked at me, said, this one. I asked her, what is the problem? No, God is my witness. I'm not lying. I asked her, I said, what is the problem? She said, your bank balance is too low. I said, you asked me whether it's a salary account. And I said, yes, I've spent the money. I'm not lying to you. I told her straight. I said, you asked me whether this is my salary account. And I said, yes. I said, the money has been paid and I've spent it. Why do you expect to meet it there? Won't I spend money? She looked at me like this. Like, this is one Nigerian. I remember what I told her. I said, look, I could have beefed the bank balance to impress you. What would be the point? I said, I just brought you to let you know that I work somewhere. The woman, she just, that's why she doesn't look me. And then they say, okay, pick up your visa on Tuesday. God bless you. That morning was the first time I prayed to God for that visa. I still remember. This was an appointment I picked weeks ahead. 
It was as I was about to go leave my hotel. I just said, ah, wait, oh, I've not even prayed about this matter. And I dropped my things on the bed. And I said, Lord, can we talk? This training, it was supposed to go for a training. I said, please, I would like to go. So I'm asking you to grant me the visa. In Jesus' name, amen. I picked my things. I have never complete. I see too many things to be grateful for. You know I work in the hospital. <laughs> you know I work in the hospital. If I start outlining the things that God has been good to me for, Grumble, he has a right to start my punishment on the spot. There are too many things. Oh God, there are too many things that God has been good to me concerning. I have, I learned long ago never to grumble about what I don't have. Because there are too many things I have. Many things that many people don't value. Many things you call advantages today, there are some things some people have. You know, there are disadvantages. Israel and I were analyzing yesterday. Okay, Muti. There was one that Israel said yesterday. Three of them were coming back. He said some money that people had, and because of that, they sent all their children abroad. Today, they are wishing the children will come back. The children are not coming back. So you see an old man that was wealthy. Today, he's alone. He doesn't have money. Suddenly, he wishes he didn't have that money to send the children abroad. And his neighbor, that didn't have the money. So couldn't do that. He has his children with him all the time. They're not leaving his house, but they're just coming and going. It's not everything people are pursuing with things an advantage. Many of them are disadvantages. There's no reason on earth you need to complain. Let's ask our feet. Let's give a lot of thanks. The culture of Christianity, the way we use our words, we are full of thanksgiving. We are full of thanksgiving. Let's give a lot of thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the light that you introduce into our lives by the entrance of your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, because you've taken us out of confusion. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I declare upon you, the Lord bless you. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will make his face shine upon you. He will be gracious unto you. He will lift up his countenance on you. And he will give you peace. The peace of God will go with you. That peace, that passes all understanding, it will put your heart at rest. It will bring down your blood pressure to a normal level. It will bring your blood sugar to a normal control. In the name of Jesus. Wherever you are sick, that peace of God will cause healing to come to that place in the name of Jesus. I just feel like praying for somebody who is sick. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke affliction in your life. I rebuke that infirmity. If you have a loved one, he or she is not here, claim something for the person. In the name of Jesus, the healing power goes into your body now in Jesus' name. Jesus is again healing people. There's a release of his healing power in the environment. Jesus is healing people. That healing Jesus is present here this evening. Every affliction will rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan has taken enough money from your pocket. He has put, in, he has put enough worry in your heart. It is enough. Amen. We declare thus far and no further. Amen. Be healed totally from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you thanks. Because you are protecting your people as they go out and as they come in. I declare no evil will befall you. Amen. No plague will come near your dwelling place. Amen. When you travel, safety is your portion. Amen. Don't be afraid. Fear will not come upon you. Amen. Don't be afraid. Trouble will not come to you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You will have no cause for fear. Amen. The confidence of God will be in your soul. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When you are not there, the Lord will watch over your children. Amen. Don't worry about them. The Lord is watching over them. Amen. I said no evil will befall your children. Amen. 
and no plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please bless three people around you.